Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you.
Hello, and welcome to this worship podcast, a ministry of St. Paul Lutheran Church here in Davenport, Iowa. I am Katie Warren, one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you have found your way here to this podcast, where hopefully you can take a few moments to pause in the midst of your day, center yourself, listen to some wonderful music, and reflect on this passage of scripture. We're glad this is a space that might help remind you of your connectedness both to God and to uh, the greater church. So in just a minute, we're going to hear a few words from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And this is a second in a series of parables that Jesus is telling as he's describing the kingdom of God and our place in it and how we might figure out all of those things. And I'll be honest, it's it's a strange story. It's hard to make sense of what it means or to figure out just how or where there is quote-unquote good news in this story. But as you listen, I'll invite you to pay close attention to the idea of ownership or possession. Who owns what in this story? Who is rightfully entitled to it? And how might that impact each person's reaction to then what unfolds in the parable? Now, to be sure, the story is an allegory. It's not real life. It's not meant to be taken as such. But what does such a parable teach us as people of faith about how we live our lives? We'll unpack that a little bit more. But first, here is the story from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, beginning with verse 33. Jesus said to the people, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, Surely they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Well, the people said to Jesus, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls." When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. All right, well, let's see what we can do with that and take a listen to this reflection on that parable and just how we decipher where we fall in the midst of tenants and landowners in this story. Well, earlier this year, a rather unique legal dispute made the news. A man named Bert Banks 
was preparing to sell several acres of his property that he owned in Ocean View, Delaware. He'd inherited the land from his father decades ago, uh, who doesn't live in the area any longer. He really has no reason to go back to that area to visit. So he decided that now was as good a time as any to sell this land. So preparations were going smoothly to sell the land until a surveyor found that a neighbor had placed a goat pen on Banks's property. And in fact, was using just under an acre of this land that belonged to Banks. Well, he approached the neighbor, a woman named Melissa Schrock, and asked that she might move her goats uh, onto her own property. But she declined. So Banks filed a complaint with the city to formally remove her from his property, and then Schrock filed a countersuit of her own, her claim, squatter's rights. As it turns out, this is actually a real thing. The legal term for it is called adverse possession. And as stated in Delaware law, it allows people to claim ownership of property that's not technically theirs if they occupy it for at least 20 years or more whatever the legal jargon might be, it's essentially squatter's rights. As if to say, I'm here, you're not, so I own it. Which is exactly what Melissa Schrock argued in court. She said, this has been my backyard since I was a little kid. For as long as I can remember, I've known nothing different than this being property that I can use. So for all intents and purposes, it's mine. Well, thanks to this interesting legal loophole, a Delaware judge agreed with Ms. Schrock and she proved that she'd occupied this land for the minimum threshold of 20 years. And as a result, Bert Branks was forced to hand over the title of his Ocean View property to this woman. This is a unique situation for sure, but it does raise the larger question of ownership. How do we prove what's mine or what's yours? When and how do we put parameters around what we can safely say I own or you possess? In general, we place a pretty high premium on defining what it is each of us owns. We can calculate our net worth or we have lists like Forbes 400 that sort of lauds the wealthiest Americans. There are copyright laws or trademarks or patents that try to protect intellectual property or things that aren't always tangible or visible. In New York City, large apartment buildings have started purchasing what's called air rights so that they actually own the air above a neighboring building, which would then prohibit developers from building anything above and obstructing their valuable views of the city. It's almost absurd to think that someone could own rights to the air that's right outside your window. But with ownership comes power. Having possession means the ability to make decisions, to control access to something that might be very valuable. And it's this concept of ownership or possession that also happens to be at the center of this 
strange parable I just read for you this morning. Jesus tells this kind of thinly veiled story about a landowner who plants a vineyard and leases it out to some tenants and then leaves. And when harvest time comes, the landowner sends his servants back to the vineyard to collect a share of the produce, to cash in on the crop. But these wicked tenants, as they're called, they have a different idea. They beat one of the servants, they kill another and stone another. They do the same thing to another set of servants that are sent to them. Ultimately, they take the life of the vineyard owner's son, all with some hopes, I suppose, that they'll be able to claim even more inheritance or wealth or ownership. Honestly, the whole story is pretty awful. (laughs) Even though it's meant as allegory or metaphor, the violence that's involved is just disturbing. It's easy to get so caught up in all of that and trying to figure out what Jesus is meaning by all of that in the parable. We can oftentimes miss a major point of the story. Namely, that there is this fundamental misunderstanding on the part of those vineyard workers. They seem to either have forgotten or just completely ignored the very fact that they are tenants and not owners. By virtue of the work that they've been hired to do, they are stewards of the land. They are not the land owner. That might sound pretty simple or straightforward, but they've basically forgotten their place. When the landowner asks for what is rightfully his share of the harvest, the tenants sort of take offense. They get angry and violent and vengeful as if the vineyard belongs to them and it's the landowner who is in the wrong. They have forgotten this key piece of information that they own nothing. Nothing at all. Everything belongs to the landowner and it's being entrusted to them, to their care. They have confused participation in the landowner's business with ownership of a harvest that doesn't actually belong to them in the first place. Maybe you can see where this analogy is going. The reality is is that it's our human nature to crave ownership, to want to possess or to control things, but that's not how we're asked to live in this world especially when it comes to our lives of faith. Both here in this story and throughout scripture, it is made pretty clear that we are not the owner. We are the caretakers. We are the entrusted tenants. Everything we have, everything we would like to call our own, everything we possess that we think is truly ours from property and things to the air we breathe to our very lives, It is all a gift. So when things don't go our way, how we'd hope, when we come up against things like sickness or life's challenges that make us feel as though we are being robbed of an easier life that's rightfully ours, we can either choose to react like these tenants in this story with arrogance, with anger, refusing to accept that we don't actually get to control every ounce of our lives. Or we can respond with compassion 
with gratitude, willing to acknowledge, to share, to honor what was never really ours in the first place. This takes shape in our lives and our faith in all sorts of ways. I'm thinking especially this morning, Peter mentioned a few moments ago that we have this crew of 14 people from St. Paul who left yesterday morning, headed for a week of service in Appalachia. We've partnered with this organization called Appalachian Service Project for the better part of a dozen years now. Volunteer crews show up to help make homes warmer and safer. And when volunteers first get there, when they'll arrive this afternoon, there's a quick orientation where one of the first things we hear is that this organization was established to meet people right where they are, just as they are, and to do what we can to meet their needs. There is no requirement for homeowners to be of a certain faith background or to prove a certain worthiness of help. They name the need they have, and this organization does whatever they can to help fix the hole in the floors or to repair plumbing that isn't functioning. The point is that there is no one who is more or less entitled to receive help. And whenever or wherever we might be, whether it's Appalachia or across the street, however we can serve others, we get to choose how we care for one another. We don't get to decide who is more or less worthy. As people of faith, this is something we get to discover over and over and over again. We extend care and grace and forgiveness if for no other reason than it was first given to us. Or something like this meal that we'll share in just a few moments of bread and wine. We don't own it. It's not ours to possess or to decide who gets to receive it. It's the Lord's Supper and we're simply stewards of it. It is God's meal of mercy, and we just get to be the ones who hand it out freely. Or this fragile earth of ours and everything in it, we don't own it. We are just asked to be the caretakers. We're invited to tend the land, to treat it as though it is our greatest possession or gift, and we have so much more work to do to care for this dear planet of ours. Or for centuries... Some people have acted as a sort of gatekeeper to God, naming both who is entitled and who is excluded from participation or acceptance in God's great church based on gender or sexuality or skin color or whether they were baptized the right way or believed the right things. People have tried to claim ownership of God's church that's not theirs. We are just stewards. We don't get to lash out when God's grace is extended far beyond the boundaries that we might wish we could create. Our job is just to make sure that the love of God is extended to all of God's children with no exceptions. I guess if we take anything from this strange parable about vineyards and violence and tenants I hope we remember just one thing this morning, that we own nothing. Not this earth, not God's church, not even our own lives. So every day we get to choose gratitude 
instead of entitlement or possession. To live as stewards instead of the owner. Knowing, giving thanks for the fact that from start to finish, everything is this generous gift from God. Amen. turn now to God in prayer, speaking those words Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
we all have a choice in how we want to live our day-to-day lives, whether it be with entitlement or with gratitude. You choose. May you be blessed with a fresh perspective this week. May you be filled with gratefulness, with hope, and with the knowledge that all we have is truly a gift from God. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.